Thank you, congregation. Excellencies, the Governor General, Commonwealth, the Bahamas, other folks, and lady folks. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Would you please join me as we stand to sing our country's national anthem?
Thank you. Please remain standing for our welcome. You may be seated, I'm sorry. You may be seated at this time. Thank you very much, uh, brother and son. It is my singular pleasure to welcome you here this morning on this very special occasion. And so on behalf of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the incredible body of believers here at Calvary Bible Church, we take this opportunity to welcome, first of all, to their excellencies, the Governor General and his lovely wife, Mrs. Folks, to our Prime Minister, the Right Honorable Perry G. Christie, the Secretary to the Cabinet, Mr. Wendell Major, and we do have representing the, or Her Highness, or His Excellency, the uh, official opposition, the, we have the Chairman, uh, Mr. Darren Cash, representing, of course, Dr. Hubert Minister, uh, the official opposition leader of the FNM. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have also special guests that may be coming from afar. We wish to recognize you as well and give you a special welcome. And those, of course, who would have been so instrumental in causing what we are experiencing here today and for the past 50 years, we want to give you a very special welcome to today's service. We will say more about our special guest later on in our service. But we want to make sure that you are incredibly uh, welcome to this very special service here as we celebrate our 50th anniversary here on Collins Avenue. So let's give yourselves a round of applause as an expression of your welcome. Thank you very kindly. And now I'm going to ask one of our former pastors, uh, David Cole, to come and to lead us in a prayer as we reflect and give thanks for God's faithfulness in the past and looking forward for his guidance in the future. Pastor Cole. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we come humbly into your presence this morning, and yet we come boldly in and through the name which is above every name, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We're thankful for this wonderful opportunity of coming together to say thank you for your goodness during the past 50 years. We want to thank you for the inception of Calvary Bible Church and for those who initiated this ministry and those who have followed in their footsteps and continued to preach the living, life-giving Word of God. And we want to thank you for those who during these 50 years have made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, have been convicted of their sin, realized their need of Jesus, and placed their faith and trust in him. We want to thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for those who have sat where we sit and who have stood where we stand. Heavenly Father, we do pray and praise you for those who have ministered in any form or fashion through the variety of ministries of this church. We remember them. 
with heartfelt thanks and great gratitude today. Especially we thank you for the founding pastors, Pastor Weech and Sister Weech, whom we are so thrilled to see with us here today. Gracious God, we just ask that you will bless the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. We are so thankful for our distinguished guests here today. And we pray for them and for all in authority over us. And ask, O God, that we may be peacefully governed. And that there may be a real sense of unity as we acknowledge your sovereignty that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and the sustainer of this universe in which you have placed us. And now, Lord, we just thank you for the present leaders of Calvary Bible Church. And we praise you for all that is past. And we trust you for all that's to come. And we will be careful to give you all the honor all the praise and all the glory through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Good morning again. We are going to stand and bless the Lord our God this morning, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Giving him the glory is our greatest privilege. Let's stand together and let's bless our God as we sing to God be the glory.
us ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. For great things He has taught us and great things He has done. Great things He has taught us. people said? Amen. Amen. Please join us for a responsive reading from Psalm 145. I will begin, and when it says everyone, please join in the reading. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall, and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's bless his holy name this morning. Thank you. 
of the glory. Amen. Please be seated. On such glorious note, it is certainly my distinguished pleasure once again to give special recognition to uh, some of our very special guests for the morning. Again, we certainly like to begin with uh, their excellencies. Thank you so kindly for coming. And I want us to singularly Let's give their excellencies a round of applause this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, sirs, madam, for overcoming and gracing us and adding another level of dignity to this celebration here at Calvary Bible Church on our 50th anniversary. And then, of course, the Right Honorable uh, Gladstone Christie. Your presence, of course, is again adding another level of sophistication to this celebration. So we want to give you a special round of applause again. <laughs> then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, representing the opposition, 
they have Darren Cash, he's the chairperson, acting chairman of the FNM. We thank you for coming and sitting in for Dr. Hubert Minister. We appreciate your presence here with us in this celebration. Let's give him a round. And now, our matriarch, Sister Violet Wish, and her family, who is with her. Would you please stand, the family members stand, as we give her a round of all who are here, the family members of Sister Wish, and their wife. Thank you. They are. So David knows, thank you very kindly for sharing this special occasion with us. We also have, uh, again, you would have seen him earlier, Pastor David Cole, who was uh, a pastor, former pastor here, uh, with his lovely wife. Would you stand so we can give you a huge round of applause? Thank you for your ministry among us. And the family of, we have Pastor Russell, A. Mars Russell, and his lovely wife. Thank you, and God bless you. But stand, let's give ourselves... Give me a round of applause as well. Well, I'm scanning here. We do have a Chinese pastor, Alan Lee's family, present here with us. Would the family of Pastor Lee please stand and thank you for coming. I have the other people here. Thank you. I'm sure there are many dispersed throughout the audience that would have come from afar for this special occasion. We want to give you a special round. If you just raise your hand, we will see it, and we will give you a round of applause. If you're traveling from a family island, please raise your hand. Let's give them a round of applause. We have Edison and Eunice Pinda. Would you please, and the family members, would they please stand so we can give them? There are homegrown missionaries. All right, thank you. Now we have other, there might be others who are visiting with us, and this may be their first time, so I'm going to take my glasses off so I can hear you. Let's give them, let's give them a huge round of applause, please, and welcome to this special event. We are delighted that you came to share with us today. And now, let's stay tuned and listen to the ministry of the choir. Please welcome them with a round of applause.
wow. If I was another place, I would have said, Mado, what a wonderful celebration. We wish to thank our multi-generational choir. Let's give God a hand of applause for this ministry here. There have been many who have been instrumental in ministry over the years here at Calvary Bible Church. And at this time, we just want to highlight and recognize a few of them. I'm going to call uh, Minister of Music, Mr. Anton, Brother Anton Wallace, to come with a special presentation, followed by another special presentation. Brother Wallace. Good morning again. I have the distinct privilege of introducing a very outstanding person in the music ministry since the inception of Calvary Bible Church. Diana A. Pinder is a stalwart at Calvary Bible Church who has given consistent, dedicated service for the past 50 years. This affable lady's forte is being an accomplished musician and using her unique abilities freely for the Lord's glory in church. Diana was born at Harbor Island, Bahamas, but moved to New Providence as a girl. She began playing choruses on the piano in Sunday school at age 12, when she attended church in Camp Road. She got a few formal piano lessons from the late Mrs. Winifred Sweeting after she started tinkering with the instrument, then practiced on her own. She is versatile and highly skilled in playing both the organ and piano, and for many years has been the church's official musician. She also played in church at the Evangelistic Temple before CBC was founded. What is so amazing about Diana's giftedness is that she is a self-taught, disciplined musician who reads music and plays by air. Diana practiced and mastered the organ entirely on her own. A fantastic treat for any audience is to sit in a piano or organ recital performed by Diana Pinder. She openly confesses that she thoroughly enjoys serving the church and congregation with her musical talents. Diana still plays for choir practices on Thursday evenings, choir and congregational singing, and for the offertory during the Sunday morning and evening services. She performed for musicals, cantatas, concerts, and many visiting artists to the church. She was the pianist for countless funerals and weddings, and in former times was often the only musical accompanist accompaniment resource rather, for soloists, duets, trios, and quartets at church. Diana played the piano at CBC's dedication service on October the 24th, 1965. Music, however, is not the only areas where Diana is revered. She is highly valued by many for the virtues she exhibits. She is known for being punctual, helpful, honest, patient, and confidential. She is referred to as a soft-spoken individual, a beautiful encourager, and a person of integrity. Her demeanor is that of a Christian lady. She is known for her warm hospitality and has offered her home as the venue for countless social activities 
and catered to visiting missionaries over the years. Further, this woman of God demonstrates by example how Christians ought to face and endure life's challenges, having herself lived victoriously through many. Diana's parents, JCL and Lois Thompson, were founding members of Calvary Bible Church. The title Pastor Emeritus was conferred on Pastor JCL for his immeasurable appreciated contributions to the growth and ministry of CBC. On February 7, 1964, Diana Thompson and George R. Pinder were the first couple united in holy matrimony in the newly built, unfinished sanctuary at Calvary Bible Church. Almost 50 years later, this couple is still happily married and very much a team. George Pinder, a Green Turtle Key Abaco native, was a former soloist, served as choir director three different times, song leader, Sunday school teacher, and deacon's board member. He served faithfully on numerous areas at CBC, and whenever music was required, Diana provided it. George always encouraged, enabled, and partnered with his wife throughout her music ministry. Their son, Cliff Pinder, his wife, Susan, and four grandchildren, Lauren Pinder Villy, and her husband, Marco Villy, Kylie, Nicole, and Joshua Pinder, are the joy of George and Diana Pinder's lives. Only heaven can measure the depth of your unflagging service to God and your fellow man, Diana. Calvary Bible Church, however, recognizes and lauds your stellar performance and your commitment and extraordinary services and sacrificial time given to enhance worship during our church services currently and over the many years. Thank you so much for giving of yourself and your talent and your time to the Lord. We are so glad that you gave. The plaque reads, Calvary Bible Church celebrating 50 years of faithful and dedicated ministry, 1962 to 2012. Special honoree Diana Pinder for dedicated service to the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church, given this 16th day of September, 2012. And it's signed by Pastor Avenue. God bless you, Sister Diana. Thank you. You may be seated. Now I invite again our former pastor, Imaris Russell, would you please come? And he's coming from all the way from Canada. Um, Pastor Russell would have been with us uh, for many years, and of course there are many who love him dearly for his ministry over the years.
It's amazing how you have to drop this mic when he finishes speaking. It's a real pleasure to be here. I could wax eloquent and uh, reminisce, but I'll save that for another time. I'm here to honor one who has been very special in my life and very special in the life of the church. Uh, I am standing in for someone else this morning, but I count it a tremendous privilege to be able to share uh, with you in honoring one of our great members, pastors, servants here at Calvary Bible Church. Pastor Frederick Arnett worshipped at Evangelistic Temple during the late Pastor Earl Weech's pastorate there before Calvary Bible Church was formed. After youthful years of years of partying, and he was a party boy, believe me, uh, traveling and living in the fast lane, he repented of his 20 years, 20s, during one of Pastor Weech's sermons. He endured for a while and later found that he drifted away from the Lord. Today, Pastor Arnett will confess that he faltered previously because of the tremendous disappointment that he observed in many of the local pastors' lives. And that was critical in his life. And for a while, his eyes were turned away from the Lord Jesus Christ. But God was gracious to him. Pastor Arnett committed his life to Jesus Christ while reading a Gideon Bible in a hotel room on, in Marsh Harbor in Abaco, 37 years ago, and was truly consecrated to the Lord. He immediately joined the Ambassadors for Christ, Calvary Bible Institute, and was appointed a member of the board. He later became the leader of Ambassadors for Christ, a street team ministry. Pastor Arnett officially joined the church staff as pastor's assistant to myself, Pastor A. Morris Russell, 
and I can't believe it's this long ago, but it was in 1985. In 1989, he was ordained to the Christian ministry here at Calvary Bible Church. In 1986, he was made executive director of the Adeline B. Russell Christian Counseling Center, which was named after my first wife. This center is dedicated to helping hurting people. Two CC Emphasis Sunday services are held here annually at CBC. Pastor Arnett served as interim pastor at Calvary Bible Church upon my resignation from here in 1990 until September 1992 when our present pastor, senior pastor Alan R. Lee, was installed. When he was responsible for coordinating church ministries, he helped introduce elders, deacons, membership, New Converts class at CBC. 1992, he was named Associate Pastor. Operation Inasmuch was birthed in Pastor Arnett's heart shortly after his conversion. He would go into the community and seek out the poor and the needy give groceries, especially during the Christmas season. He would go into the community and share God's love with them. Later, he took on the task of get, having the less fortunate in his home, and ministering to them. They would come for a meal and fellowship and always a witness. It was one of, on one of these occasions that Pastor Russell, concerned for what he was doing, said that it would be good for the whole church to be able to assist him in this work. And so with my first wife and with Pastor Annette, this ministry was officially inaugurated as Operation Inasmuch. Inasmuch as you have done it one to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. That was in 1981. In 1982, the Bahamas Billy Graham Ministries, presently managed through the CCC, was founded by Pastor Arnett and Mr. Ira Skipper of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association 
and Mr. Donald Mora, then of Mora Lumber Company. This evangelistic public outreach, which involved intensive Christian counseling and training for telephone and personal contact workers, was under the able leadership of Pastor Arnett. For many years, Pastor Arnett was responsible for visiting the sick, the shut-ins, the needy families. His involvement uh, expanded over the ministries of reaching out in the street and other ministries in which he was involved. Chairman of the elders, mini-church, leader, discovery, classes. Pastor Arnett is also a JP. The former Helen DeVoe, uh, without him, without her, he wouldn't be the man he is, by the way, captured the heart of Pastor Arnett and they were married in 1981. They have children, Deborah, Frederick II, and Matthew Arnett. Pastor, we applaud you for your faithfulness over the past 50 years, and we give God the glory for the talents, the leadership, and the abilities that God has placed in you and you have shared with us. I wish you to honor Pastor Arnett. There's a lot of special secrets I would like to tell you about Pastor Arnett. I won't go into great detail, but I can remember the first time I approached him about the possibility of becoming my assistant. I couldn't do that, he said. I am not capable. I am not worthy. That is the kind of man he is. Well, I'm Scottish, and I'm stubborn, and I kept coming back to him and said, you've got to. I believe, and I'd been praying, my wife had been praying with me, I believe you are the one that God has called for this particular ministry. Well, after a while, he finally did. And uh, I thank God for him. I don't know what I would have done without him in the years that we worked together. He has a great ministry. He has a great witness. And God has used him mightily. And really, as you see them here, they work together as a team. 
and Helen is equally endowed with many abilities and talents, skills, and in leading the Christian Counseling Center. She is such a wonderful blessing, not only as a wife, but also as a personal follower of Jesus Christ and a partner with us here at Calvary Bible Church. Calvary Bible Church celebrating 50 years of faithful, dedicated ministry, 1962 to 2012, special honoree Pastor Arnett for dedicated service to the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church, given the 16th day of September, 2012, Alan R. Lee, senior pastor and teacher. Brother Annette. You've got to have your likeness to it. Nothing's going to work after this, okay? Thank you, presenters. I wish at this time, before we do the final special recognition, I just want to ask again for the families of Sister Diana Pinder and, of course, Pastor Annette's family. Just stand, please, just briefly, please. Just a family of the two honorees. Thank you. Thank you. And now, baby, because of the time, I'm going to ask my lovely wife to please join me. She's somewhere. If. If I had the time. Is she distracting you? <laughs> if, if I had the time for a, a next honorary, I would tell you that he was born just before the Second World War. I would also tell you that he was educated here in the Bahamas in our public school system, and that he miraculously met God when he went to Long Island looking for something else. Or should I say someone else? But since I don't have the time to tell you how educated and intellectually astute he is, 
I'm just going to simply break the secret and tell you about our next honoree, our pastor, Alan R. Lee. To our well-loved, most mature, oldest, and handsomest senior pastor, <laughs> Alan Lee, in the paraphrased words of the Apostle Paul, you obeyed God's leading and calling in your life and came to us some 240 months ago. <laughs> And three days. You did not come in your own eloquence of speech, and that you do have, or your own acquired wisdom that so many um, seek after. Nor did you come seeking the applause of men, but rather you came with godly fear and faithful commitment to the pedagogical exegesis of the Word of God. To all who were made thirsty by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, we here, uh, the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, are enormously grateful to God for your presence, your devotion, your ministry, and leadership among us these past two decades, the full effect of which cannot be accurately valued or measured by any current human valuation system. Nonetheless, the incredible the incredibly diverse and versatile body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church wishes to make a small and tangible deposit of our gratitude by presenting you and your First Lady, Renantia Nancy Lee, with a special token. Would you please bring your lovely wife out with you? I would also ask the Pastor Lee's family to please stand as well. All of Pastor Lee's family, please stand. As this handsome, self-proclaimed, godly husband and father um, Let me just amplify what he just said. It's amazing or ironic how someone who always giving accolades to others, he dislikes this, you know, so if you, yeah, he's ready of saying amen, you know, um, and so that's why I'm being brief, as brief as I can, even though Brother David thinks I have long legs, so that means I'm long-winded, um, nothing is true with respect to that, but of course, Pastor Lee, we, we want to say here, the incredible body of Calvary Bible Church here again, and your lovely wife, of course, we know she is your source of strength, motivation. Amen. She's your all in all, Amen. next to God, of course, and, and plus, more, plus more. And so on behalf of the members here at Calvary Bible Church, we just want to simply recognize you and to honor you as our senior pastor. And it simply says this, uh, for your faithful and dedicated ministry from 1992 until the present. We thank you for your ministry. We thank you for the support of your lovely wife, the soft, elegantly uh, um, looking always um, and hospitable 
Nancy Lee. And so we want to present you with this for 20 years of exemplary service to the incredible body of church here, given on the 16th day of September 2020, York at Calvary Bible Church. And we end by saying, Sila. <laughs> This is also to be accompanying. This is going to go to your travel agent, Sister Nancy. will handle all of that. Thank you very, Thank you very much. Now you know why I'm subject to heart attacks. I didn't know anything about this at all. Thank you very much. And now we want to give special opportunity and again a recognition and opportunity for reflection to our matriarch. As we mentioned earlier, the effervescent Sister Violet Weish. And she's stationed there. And I want to pass the mic, Brother Arrow, to her. Uh, but before she says anything, I think we need at least one more time, you know, to give Sister Weish a round of applause just because she is here. We give God thanks for her presence. We thank God for you because you are closer to being a centurion of 100 years than you are to 90. We thank God for your longevity. And, and we're giving you just one opportunity here again. We'd like to hear your voice one more time. We're so delighted that you are here. We know that you've had some challenges uh, medically, but God has been faithful. And we thank him for you. And so we want to give you an opportunity to uh, say something to the hungry body here at Calvary Bible Church. I won't be very long. But it's just like a dream that I'm here. I was in the hospital for one month. And this is an opportunity to thank all of you for your prayers. You never know what those prayers meant out of the hospital. And now I'm here in the Bahamas. I thank God for every one of you. And I thank God for Brother Lee and his wife. And this church, you're just like a big family to me. I'm going to cry, so I'm going to stop. Thank you very much, Sister Weish. We also want to give an opportunity here for someone who was integrally um, significant in the beginning of Calvary Bible Church. And so I want to take this opportunity to give our brother Frank Pinder an opportunity because he wants to say something. (laughs) 
for the repast of my church. Um, Thank you. I, I must warn you, he, is, he has an inclination to preach, but no preaching, Brother Frank, today. All right. Thank you, Brother. Sister Weech. Okay, well, there I go. Folks, I want to thank this church that around the world has prayed for me. Here I am again today. God has brought me through. And I think back 50 years ago today, it would be tonight we started that service at Brother Reach preached that sermon. 13 young people followed Jesus Christ. I get so broke up about it because it's the gospel. It's the gospel that saves men and women. And I'm so thankful today for that. God bless. Thank you again, Sister Vision. Thank you, Brother. Thank you, Pinder, for your comments. I'm going to ask you this time, if we, would you pause for me as we talk to our Heavenly Father? Let's go to prayer. And we want to remember as we do so, our Brother George Pinder, Sister Diana's husband, who's not doing well today. Otherwise, he would have been here today. And so I want us to remember as we go to prayer and we uh, prepare ourselves to participate in our worship through our our offering that we remember George Pinner and all of those who have faithfully served um, in the past. We wish also to thank, I see Sister Marge Sensorialist, uh, Marge Ferguson, she is here um, for the first time since her surgery, so we want to remember and thank God for her presence here as well today. So I'm asking you at this time to please pause with me as we to go to prayer um, on behalf of those who we know are ill and, of course, particularly our brother George Pinder. Our Father, we thank you for immediate access into your presence. We thank you for the personal invitation that you've given to us, that we should come to you. Lord, we thank you for where we are today. You have been faithful in ways that we do not have the vocabulary to adequately articulate our gratitude. But nonetheless, Father, you have thought about that and given us your Holy Spirit, who is able to communicate to Lord the depth of our gratitude. And so we are all together thankful for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we do remember our brother George Pinder and his ministry among us, his faithfulness to you over the years. Today, he would have loved to have been here sitting in the audience and sharing and being a part of this experience but he is unable because of health reasons. But Lord, you are omnipotent. And so we come to you on his behalf, asking that your presence will be with him in a special way today. And if it is your will, we pray that you will rise him up so that he can again be strong and be able to minister. But Lord, if it is not your will, we just ask for your grace so that we might endure, that he might endure, and that he will never lose a sense of your presence in his life. And for all of those, Lord, who would have been a part of the ministry over the years, we thank you for their faithfulness. 
and those, Lord, who are listening, who are not yet involved or just beginning. We pray that they will follow the example of those stalwart uh, members of Calvary Bible Church of the past and demonstrate their similar or similar faithfulness to you. And we thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you as well through our tithes and our offering at this time. You have been good to us beyond measure. And Lord, this is just our expression of saying to you, thank you. We pray that whatever is given, Lord, that you will use it for the extension of your kingdom so that men and women, boys and girls, not only here locally but around the world, might hear and respond positively to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that your name might be exalted in the world at large. These things, Father, we ask with thanksgiving in your Son's name, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen.
Thank you, musicians. At this time, we want to observe a moment of silence as we view some of the members who were involved, the saints who were involved in the establishment of Calvary Bible Church as we give a brief, like a video slide presentation. And once we want to do this, we're going to suggest that, well, those who can, we just don't want anyone's view to be blocked. But if you can stand in silence, recognize them, please feel free to do that. But if you need to be seated, please do that. Those persons who are seated, um, I'm hoping that your view is not blocked by those who might be standing in front of you. But we want to observe uh, for a few minutes just uh, in recognition of the scenes who have been involved but have since passed away. So please, at this time.
Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, brothers and sisters, I ask you to please stand as we welcome to the podium the Right Honorable Harry G. Christie with some graduatory remarks. Please. Thank you very much. To your excellencies, to the honorees, to the distinguished pastors present and past here assembled, ladies and gentlemen, let me begin by indicating that although His Excellency Sir Arthur Foulkes is on the program, he will not be speaking this morning, and I'm going to try my best to do it for both of us. September 1962, Montrose Avenue. Pindus Simonizing Service. Through that corner was the leader of the Valley Boys, Gus Cooper. <laughs> Further down the road, about a hundred yards, not even that, Lady Edith Tenquest. Across from her, Donald Davis, great educator. Down a little further, Perry Christie and his family. A little further, D.H. Burroughs, Chief, Chief Out Island Commissioner. Further down, George Moxie, the great cultural icon musician. There were so many, but it was a time when Idealism to those who are not of that age. It was the, in my view, the golden age of idealism. It's when parents who did not have the opportunity themselves began that understanding that they ought to transfer their dreams and aspirations to their children and to get their children to go off to school seeking higher learning. I went in 63, to give you an example. Gus Cooper went just before me from the valley. I remember that we had to walk past Pindus to go to firstly Mr. Rogers Food Store. And after Rogers Wade Sands Food Store. That's when you could walk and not be concerned about personal safety. I remember further down from my house, Brother Nottage starting the Tabernacle Church and the days of showing the films of Billy Graham and his Crusades. I remember the 
great brethren, Al McCartney, taking me to East Street Gospel Hall Sunday School, where I learned the John 3 and 16 and never forgot it. But Pastor Fowler, in those days, they taught religion through very simple but moving ways. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. And we, we grew up understanding that you have to fit in. I used to go to my grandpa who lived just over Collins Wall and Mason's Edition. And I used to climb over the wall and pass this way. When this church began, firstly in the tent, I knew. Secondly, when they began building here, I knew. It's to be Collins Yard. Families building new homes with lots of fruit trees as you walk through here. I'm saying these things as a way of speaking to the importance of history, to the significance of lifting up those contributors who had the vision. So when I listened to Mrs. Violet Weish a few minutes ago, I said, God, if you could only grant me the, the life and the Ability to reason that this woman at 96 years, her brother tells me, has. God is good. I turn to her brother, who is an iconic figure in this country, Sir Derwood. I say, is she your baby sister? Or? He say, no man, that's my older sister. She's 96 and I'm 95. Okay. I say, look, uh, look, look at Sir Derwood. You know? And Brother Frank, it was good for me to come here and know that you're still alive. I've been here to the home-going services of some of your good friends, and so God is good. I want to tell you that around 1 a.m. this morning, I had a wonderful reminder about life. I was called to the home of a great figure in our country. When I got to his home, he was lying motionless on the floor. And I'd called the ambulance to meet me there. And I had this picture of this man who was one of the great men of our country. One of the great brains of our country. But lying motionless, ostensibly without a pulse. We took him to the hospital and I watched the doctors work on him and trying to resuscitate him and using science to give him some life. And they may have succeeded, but I had the opportunity to think of a verse from the book of Psalms that I speak to often. 
because it, 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 it enables me as a person in public life to remind myself that I too am mortal and that I too will die. And the, the verse goes as follows. As for a man, his days are as grass. As a flower in the field, he flourisheth. For the wind passes over, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. I used that to reflect last night on my own life. I left the hospital about quarter to five this morning and knew that God had to give me some strength to come here. But it gave me the opportunity to truly appreciate what has gone into making this church. That you take for granted often when you come into a building and you see and feel the magnificence or the splendor of the building and you do not think of the sweat and sacrifice and effort the journey how enriching it was for so many and then you think of those who have gone to their eternal reward who are major contributors and you look at the film and you pause long enough to think of them you're in church. And this is where the full meaning of life and how you use it must be appreciated and must be felt. And the wonderful thing about religion is no matter what you think, it's all about you personally. I can't believe it for you or share it with you personally. It's me personally. So I want to firstly congratulate the church for the quality of your 50 years and its impact on our country. I want to congratulate those who were the leaders of the church for the quality service they gave and the unstinting sacrifices that they all and each made. It's wonderful to have a music ministry and you've got a music church and I want to congratulate you. You know, you could come to church and go to sleep. <laughs> but if you've got people who could sing and you've got music, then you could enjoy the service. And you listen, you can't come to church and not enjoy it. I want to be able to thank the honorees. There's a failing in our country where we don't often enough lift up those who have given yeoman service and set them up as exemplars so people can see what happens when you do good. And somehow to the younger ones amongst us, it could be passed on so that they would understand why we honored those persons that we did today. Pastor Lee, I used to go to school with your brother, Henry. Right there. 
I went into a place one night in Baintown and saw him there with some friends from Canada. I said, boy, you ain't scared to come over here? <laughs> and he said, no. But you know, it is wonderful to see you. I happen to be the cousin of preachers who are a little older than you. Pastor Ed Allen is first cousin. Rex Major is married to my first cousin. And so I've seen and watched you. And you're a wonderful example. And I'm so happy that they put teacher next to pastor, preacher, teacher. Because you are renowned in our country as the teacher of the word. And you know, you could be an ostentatious, flowery speaker, or you could be a teacher to ensure that those who hear you understand what you're saying. And so, for me personally, it's been a privilege to be here to congratulate this church to congratulate you for the mighty way in which you have gone about paying for the church, expanding the church and its outreach, expanding and deepening your assets in the country, making this part of New Providence a special part by virtue of your presence. And I watch as you buy this way, that way, and that way. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. And so to that extent, we rely on you in this part of our Lord's vineyard to let there be a glow. That when people pass this church, they get to see more than a building. They get to know that this is a church. And this is a church that goes outside of the four walls. And a church that impacts the community. And I'm going to paraphrase the scripture in my conclusion um, because you have an obligation to pass on to generations yet unborn the meaning and purpose of your work because the word of God is timeless. It is as relevant today as it was 500 years ago, as it will be 500 years to come. And you have a duty to ensure that the young ones amongst you truly, truly come to appreciate the meaning, your meaning, your purpose, so that you, you can pass to them, they pass to their generation and their successors. Finally, I have a special child. And I want to congratulate you for the way in which you have built in a special ministry. It is just so wonderful to see. 
And I hope that you continue this because another challenge we have in our country is simply to know those families that have special children who are unable to afford what is so necessary for those special children and that the country is still trying to catch up with the need to provide for such families and to a great extent the church using that old biblical admonition from the book of Matthew which you do for the least of my brethren could reach out and to continue with what you're doing so that other churches and non-governmental organizations will be able to see the value of being able to go where the state our country has not yet reached. Well, thank you very much on behalf of the Bahamian people for these wonderful 50 years that you have spent. God is good. Prime Minister, thank you for your very provocative and sobering challenge for us here today. I'm going to call at this time our dear sister Andrea to make a presentation of some floral arrangements to certainly to His Excellency and to the Prime Minister. Good afternoon, Church. I think we're on target, Pastor Lee. Excellencies, we thank you for your presence here today. And we present you with a small token of our appreciation, as I say small, because we really cannot begin to tell you how glad we are that you're worshipping with us today. And also, Prime Minister, we have a, a, a small token of our appreciation for you, and we thank you very much for being here today also. Give my love to your precious wife. Thank you. Sister B will help me with this. Thank you very kindly. And now once again, would you please welcome the ministry of our multi-generational choir under the leadership of our dear sister Eleanor Lelilo.
the church is alive. All saints, you're not alone or forgotten. The church is alive. It's alive, my broken-hearted friend. It's still alive. Busy mother, cast your cares on Jesus. It's alive, young students. You're not alone in serving the Lord. Faithful father, this rests in the Lord. And the church is alive. Clinical skeptic, you haven't killed God with your noise, I believe. It's still alive. So family of God, lift your hands and praise. The church is still alive. Well, Mado, that was good. Amen? That was good. Your Excellency, Governor General Sir Otto and Lady Folks, Right Honorable Prime Minister Perry Christie, and Mr. Darren Crash, representing the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition, Dr. Hubert Minnis, and all other distinguished guests, brothers and sisters in Christ. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church that is still alive. On behalf of the members of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, I thank you for joining us in our celebration of five decades of God's blessings upon this ministry. Your Excellency and Right Honorable Prime Minister, your presence on this special occasion is much appreciated. And uh, Mr. Prime Minister, we thank you for your kind and gracious remarks. You were right on target. The Brethren has done a good job in rearing you. <laughs> I'm still amazed at how many memory verses you have learned in the Sunday school over in East Street. Doing a good job. Keep it up. Now, as you can see from our banner, the theme for our five decades of praise is taken from Psalm 145, and specifically verses 3 and 4, which reads, Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. And in keeping with the fact that Calvary Bible Church is a Bible church, we want to do exactly what the psalmist says here. And that is to praise the greatness of God by declaring the mighty acts he has done in past decades to this generation so that they in turn will be, be, be praised in other generations as they carry it along. He has done great and mighty works in the past at Calvary Bible Church. And this generation must know what those mighty acts are so they can be passed on to the other generations as well. God has done a lot of mighty works in and through all those who had a part in the establishment and growth of this local church. We do this today because as a Bible church, we are committed to being not only hearers of the word, but doers also, which you shall see is also an integral part 
of our heritage here. We seek to continue this heritage by proclaiming Christ through the word of God, both in word and walk and preaching and practice. We do it in word and preaching through the clear, accurate exposition of the word of God from this pulpit, as well as on our Lord's Day Christian education classes, our weekly discovery classes, our home mini churches, our Warner and youth ministries, and our rich music ministries, as well as through our weekly early men and women's prayer and Bible studies. The end objective is to produce mature, true disciples of Jesus Christ. The accurate proclamation of the word of God is essential to this goal being realized. But we also proclaim Christ in our walk and in our practice by reaching out to our immediate community through our care kitchen that provides a hot and healthy breakfast for hundreds of homeless, elderly, and needy folks in our community, through our operation in as much ministry that provides staple food items and clothing to the poor, and at least three times a year, the the entire church body, children and adults alike, prior to our AM worship service, go door to door to personally distribute a huge bag of food, <coughs> excuse me, and other needy items to the residents of our immediate area by a ministry we call the MICA Project. And in addition, each year we seek to keep the spirit of the original Boxing Day alive by feeding hundreds of needing folks right here at the church in the Earl Reach Auditorium. Hence, we seek to obey the word of God by ministering to the whole man with the whole word, with our whole hearts, holy for the glory of God. Your Excellency, Honorable Prime Minister, I must confess that these immediate past remarks, remarks were inserted in these opening remarks, F-Y-I, for your information. And I do this primarily because we, as here at Calvary Bible Church, shies away from the blowing of our own horn or publicizing our good works. But I thought it appropriate at this time to emphasize this vital role that this local church, as representatives of all local church, contribute to the citizens of this country, which you have been chosen and appointed to govern, and to expose the lie that is now being propagated by certain groups who are seeking their own self-interest by claiming that they are doing more than the church is doing when they give to help the needy in only spasmodic manner. Calvary Bible Church is just one church among many which are doing so constantly and continually without fanfare or publicity. End of, excur- of excursus. Now, in keeping with our theme text and the reason for our gathering today, I turn to praise God for one specific mighty act he did to give birth to Calvary Bible Church exactly five decades ago. The five decades of praise we now celebrate. Fifty years ago, during a period when it was the best of times and the worst of times for him, there was a man sent from God. His name was Earl. Thankfully, unlike the case of John the Baptizer, God was also pleased to send a woman along with him. Her name was and is Violet, and she's here with us today, and we're so joyful for that. Now, please understand, though, that neither he nor she was the light, 
But without question, they certainly were both brilliant reflectors of that light. Who is the true light that came into the world? Jesus Christ. Earl, the man of God, sent by God, responding to the strong urge of God, the Spirit, with his, within his spirit, to stand strong on his conviction to biblical truth as he understood it, he felt the need to shine that light to the Bahamian people in the way it was not done before. That for him, my friends, at that moment, was the worst of times and the best of times. You see, he was experiencing the best of times in that he was at that time sharing in a very fruitful ministry, and he had the favor of the people as well. But then God spoke to him in a mighty way regarding an important doctrinal truth. And for him, my friends, it was not a small thing. It was a matter of conviction rather than preference, integrity rather than mood, truth rather than emotions. To this man of God, his integrity and faithfulness to his God were at stake. And so were his, and so were his future ministry as a pastor, as well as his future provisional obligations and responsibilities as a husband and father. Of course now, this man of God could have stood still and do nothing, preferring to stay where he was and continue to revel in the best of times he was enjoying. He knew full well, he knew full well that standing for his conviction on the truth of the word as he came to understand it would cost him dearly. But for Earl Wiesch, what he was being challenged with was not just a matter of preference of one thing over another. It was a matter of conviction concerning the word of God. He could not be the man of God he was and just stand there, enjoying his best of times. Now, there are times, of course, when in faith we can't do anything and just stand there as we see the salvation of God. But this was not one of those times. Earl Wish had the wisdom and courage to make that distinction. He knew that he had to do something. He had to act on the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit. He could not just be a hearer of the word and not do what it says. I say again, this was for him the worst of times for this man, called of God. But it was also at the same moment the best of times, because to stand for his heart conviction was the best thing he could ever do. He made the choice and stepped out in faith in a faithful God who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you honor me, I will honor you. That, my friends, became and was the best times for Earl Reich. And please hear me carefully now, especially those of you who have been, you are or will be a part of Calvary Bible Church. It was and is also the spiritual germinal cause for the legacy of Calvary Bible Church. Hear me carefully. Calvary Bible Church was founded on the basis of Earl Wish's obedience to the word of God as he understood it. Period. That's where it starts and that's where it ends. And so I say to the members of Calvary Bible Church, first and foremost, this is a heritage and legacy we must not let fall to the ground. We too must be people who are not only hearers of the word,
do us also. We must keep this as the bridge from the past to the future of this ministry. This should be our distinct and unique characteristic as members of this incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church. Obedience to the word of God as we understand it. But there's a model and a legacy of another virtue that we must not let die, which is also embedded in this one momentous, mighty act of God in the life of Earl Reach, which he has left us as members of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church. We, too, must be people of conviction, living to honor God rather than people or of mere preference living to please ourselves. You see, people still leave churches today, but sadly, few do so because of the conviction based on obedience to the word of God. They do it rather because of preference based on the mood. Earl Weish knew the difference, I say. He was a man of conviction grounded on the sure word of God, not on mere preference based on the selfish whim of the moment. This is a legacy I say again. We here at Calvary Bible Church must not forget or disregard. To do so would mar the mighty act of God that he did in the life of the man he used to found this church we call Calvary today. You see, now listen carefully. Preference is based on the mood or circumstance of the moment. Conviction, on the other hand, is based on inner character and depth of integrity of commitment to Jesus Christ. Decisions by such individuals are not based on personal feelings or selfish satisfaction or on what the adverse situations are that they are facing at the moment. Their decisions, rather, are based on an inner commitment to be true to the word of God, regardless of the consequences. And when a crisis does arise that calls for a hard decision, as it did for Earl Veach 50 years ago, the choice has already been made by default, based on a godly character that is always committed to live the way God says to live, regardless of the outcome. That's exactly what this man sent from God did 50 years ago. He stood for conviction rather than preference. That decision now, mind you, did not make Earl Reich. It revealed the kind of man he already was. To use computer language, he had the software of integrity and conviction built into the hardware of his character. I came across an interesting explanation of how the U.S. Supreme Court explained conviction versus preference regarding a specific case. It also included some added comments. Listen as I read this particular article. A preference is a very strong belief, held with great You can give your entire life for full time service of the preference and can also give your entire material wealth in the name of the belief. You can also energetically proselytize others to your preference. You can also want to teach this belief to your children. And the Supreme Court may still rule that it is a preference. Listen carefully now to these added comments. A preference is a strong belief, but it is a belief that you will change under the right circumstances. Preferences aren't protected by the Constitution, says this judge, but convictions are. Now here are the auditorial comments that the judge 
put after making this ruling. He said, a preference is a strong belief, but it is a belief that you will change under the right circumstances. And he named some of them. Circumstances such as peer pressure. If your beliefs are such that the other people stand with you before you will stand, your beliefs are preferences, not convictions. You could also change your preferences on due to family pressure, or lawsuits, or facing jail, or threat of death. You should ask yourself, would you die for your beliefs? A conviction is a belief that you will not change. Why? Because you believe that God requires it. End of quote. Now, as I read that particular quote, I was reminded of the Iranian pastor Yusuf Nadakani, who chose to die rather than to deny his faith. Thankfully, due to the prayers of God's people around the world, he was released about just a few days ago. But he was a man who lived his conviction, and he's willing to give his life for it. A conviction is not something that you discover. It is something that you purpose in your heart. Convictions on the inside will always show up on the outside. It's in a person's lifestyle. To violate a conviction would be a sin. The man sent from God 50 years ago found this, who founded this ministry, Earl Reach, recognized this fact. And he chose not to fail his God who called him and so sinned by doing nothing. What a legacy this is. What a heritage we have. And what a challenge it is for us to follow Earl Reach in this respect even as he followed Jesus Christ. Members of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary, of all people, must be people of conviction if we are going to be true to our heritage and our legacy started by Earl Reach. A person without a conviction is like a ship without a rudder. Preference says, never mind. Conviction says, nevertheless. Preference brings survival. Conviction brings revival. Preference brings compromise. Conviction brings victory. With preference, some restrictions apply. But with conviction, no restrictions apply. Here's a definition of compromise that I like. Accept, I'm sorry, compromise accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe. Let me repeat that. Compromise is accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe. Well, what made Earl reach a true man of God? What made him stand out then and stand out now? He was a man who lived out his inner convictions. I say again, the crisis he faced 50 years ago did not make, did not make him, but it showed who he was, a man of conviction. A man called of God. But, but, but now, by way of application, let me repeat a statement I made earlier and elaborated on just to give us a challenge for today as well. In that mighty act of God in the, early, in the life of Irvich, he has left us as members of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church a model and a legacy that we must not let die. We too must be people of conviction rather than people of mere preference. People still leave churches today, I said, but sadly, few do so because of conviction based on the word of God. They do it rather because of preference based on the mood of the moment. For instance, 
Some leave a church today because they say the music style has changed from the good old days. That's a selfish preference, not a conviction based on the word of God. Earl Reach would never do something like that. Some would leave a church because the pastor preaches the word of God too long, too loud, or perhaps even too soft, but never because it is too short or void of divine truth. That too is a preference and not a conviction based on the word of God. Not so with Earl Reach. He would never do such a thing. Some have left a church because their friends have done so. That too is a selfish preference and not a conviction based on the word of God. Such decisions, I propose, are not worthy of the legacy left by Earl Reach. He was a man of conviction, not of profess, not of preference. He was a man who was not only a hearer of the word, but a doer also. His legacy, I say, must continue. We must bridge the past to the future of this ministry with a renewed commitment to these traits that characterize this man of God who was called by God to start this ministry 50 years ago. As the saying goes, may his tribe increase. But one thing more. John, unlike John the baptizer, Pastor Earl was not left as a voice crying in the wilderness with no one to hear after he made his momentous decision to stand on his conviction concerning his understanding of the word of God. <clears throat> in fact, some 400 and more souls, saint and sinners alike, called out to him to hear him preach once again. Ironically, the first conversion that occurred on that memorable night some 50 years ago was, of all things, a showroom, not a soul. The businessman Frank Pinder, whom you just heard, who was previously impacted by the ministry of this man who was sent by God, converted his car showroom into a room that would, that very night, show forth the mighty and the mighty power and glory of God. The conversion of that showroom was the first conversion recorded by the nucleus of what was to become Calvary Bible Church. However, greater and more lasting conversions followed. That was simply the way God used Frank Pinder to go ahead of Earl Reach to prepare the way for him. Now, I know I'm switching metaphors and persons, but I do so reverently and with much respect, not in any way trying to demean or alter the word of God or the person of Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should do such a thing. I do this for the glory of God and in order to proclaim his mighty acts. God validated Earl's reach step of faith in the worst of times that evening by bringing some 35 or more souls into the kingdom of God, as well as adding them to the newest local church in town, Calvary Bible Church. That turned Earl's, Earl reaches worst of times into the best of times. And Frank Pinder's showroom was turned into a place that showcased the grace, the glory, and the power of God. That happened exactly 50 years ago. What a mighty act of God. What a demonstration of his power. We celebrate that today and this month. What a mighty God we serve. <laughs>
Thank you. You may be seated. But that is only one of the mighty acts of God we will celebrate during this five decades of praise as we turn our hearts and minds toward the one who called an empowered pastor and Mrs. Erlwish to give birth to this local church, of which we are so privileged and thankful to be a part. There are many others whom God has used to impact the ministry of this local church since that time, but today we honor the human founders of this church and give God the praise and honor for using them in such a mighty way. We praise him also for allowing us the privilege of having our matriarch, Mrs. Vireleach, present with us today. And I ask you once again, please stand as we show our love and appreciation for her one more time. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to make a statement or more that I will develop hopefully in my final message on September the 30th in this month of celebration. It's a, it's a very difficult one for me to do, but as I was thinking about it, I asked the question, if not you, who? And if not when? If not now, when? I believe it must be said. Now there's no doubt about it. Earl Weish was a great man of God. Sister Violet Weish is a great woman of God. There's no doubt about that at all. Amen? Amen. And God has done many mighty acts through them that we need to celebrate. Pastor Earl Weish certainly served his generation well. He should and must be well remembered as the Moses of Calvary Bible Church, if you will. But beloved, I say this with much love, passion, and fear, but I do so with conviction. Beloved, Moses is dead. His decades of ministry are completed. A new generation has come. The past is good to be remembered and to be learned from. But it must not become a weight that holds us back from going forward into the future. We can reflect on the past, but we must not live there. You remember Jesus and the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. I turn now to the passage of scripture that lays down this principle of how God divinely passes the baton of those whom he calls to fulfill his will on earth. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. And just as, have I, been, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Only be strong and very courageous. Notice carefully now. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have 
success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now the message here is that we have to be careful that we don't fix our eyes and attention so much on those who have gone before that we take our eyes off the one who will go before us in the future. God is not telling Joseph, forget Moses. Rather, he's saying, let your primary focus be on me and on my word, not on those whom I may have used in a mighty way to do my will in the past. Learn from them, yes. Honor them, yes. Respect them, yes. Build memorials for them, yes. But do not build a shrine or an altar. We do not worship them. We honor them. Because God says, I will share my glory with no man. And we must always remember that. Amen? Now, I must admit, when these thoughts came to mind as I was perfectly preparing this message, they hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was really afraid. How can I say such a thing? So, first, I rejected these altogether. I marked them out of my nose. How could I say something like that at a time like this? What would the people think, especially the older members of Calvary Bible Church? Above all, what would our beloved matriarch think? Then guess what? The very thing I had emphasized about Pastor Irvish came to mind. And it said, I spoke to myself. Alan, you're putting preference before conviction. And all at once, my message for the conclusion of our anniversary celebration of September flashed before my mind based on this question. Why did God tell Joshua that Moses was dead? Didn't he know that? In fact, didn't all of Israel know that? Of course he did, and of course they did. I suddenly realized that God was not informing Joshua and Israel of, Mo of Moses' obituary. He was giving them basic instruction for entering the promised land, for leading a new generation on to maturity and realization of God's purpose for them. God was not leading them by Moses anymore. Moses had done what God wanted him to do for four decades. God led them to a road in a wilderness. He had something planned for them. They now, though, had a different route to take. And he was leading them by a new leader, Joshua. And the only way he could do that effectively was to realize that Moses was dead. Yes, they were headed to the same destination. But a new route was to be undertaken. It would not be through a desert, but it would be into a battleground that they had not experienced before. But he would be with them even as he was with Moses. Yes, Joshua, Moses is dead, but not me. I am alive forevermore, and I will be with you all the way. What a message that is. Amen? But that's all I'm going to say about that. That's the beginning of a message for September the 30th. And so, although we are saddened by the absence of Pastor Earl Weish, we are gladdened by the presence of his partner in his remarkable ministry, our matriarch, Mrs. Violet Weish. And we also celebrate her contribution to the founding of this ministry. We accept her presence as a divine, mighty act of God today, and his way of teaching us to always keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and him alone, 
as the founder and builder of his church, even as she does. I remind you with the words of the hymn that says it so well. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen? The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, the Lord. We shall remain seated as we sing the first stanza of this hymn. The church is one Father laid that one foundation. Earl and Violet Reach built upon it gold and precious stones, followed by pastors Anderson, Cole, Arnett, Thompson, and Russell, who did the same. We honor them today as well, and we thank God for all of them. But none of them built the church of Jesus Christ. This building is not Jesus' church. But it is the people who built this building who are the church of Jesus Christ. We must never forget that. Now, and for a reason that only the triune God can truly, fully answer, and this is why I believe that God has a sense of humor, he called another man, born out of due time, to be sure, and the least of the least of those who have gone before, to take up the mantle, Take up the mantle at the tone that these men and women of God have passed on to a new generation. So today, I don't ask you to follow me, but I do ask you to follow Christ and walk side by side with me as I follow him into the spiritual battleground of Christian maturity we call the promised land. Now I close with this reminder, a challenge and an invitation. The Bible teaches one indisputable fact when it comes to conviction of sin. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I cannot. I can shout at you. I can threaten you. I can appeal to you. I can try to entice you. I can try to persuade and pressure you. But my friends, true, genuine conviction for sin can only be brought on by the Holy Spirit. Listen to the word of God. Jesus is speaking to his disciples to prepare them for his departure. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now notice there's a transition and a passing of the baton here as well. And he, when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me 
and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. It's only the Holy Spirit who can truly bring conviction upon our hearts when it comes to sin and disobedience. So I say to you, if the Holy Spirit has or is doing his work of conviction in your heart right now, for any reason, perhaps he started before you came here, I plead with you to respond positively to the convicting work of the Spirit of God. Now, if his conviction has to do with salvation in your life, being saved, then please say yes to him and let Jesus Christ come into your life. Begin a true relationship with him right now, just where you are. If it has to do with conviction regarding your relationship to other believers, to us as pastors, or even to me as a pastor, or to this church relative to a ministry that you have abandoned, then confess your sin, accept God's forgiveness, and begin to live a life of conviction once again for the glory of God and to carry on the heritage of Erwish. Or perhaps you would like to become a part of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church. Make that decision today as well. We as pastors and also as deacons would count it a privilege to talk and to pray with you today. And so we are going to stand now and we're going to sing our closing hymn. And as we do, I will escort our esteemed guests out at the beginning of the hymn. But if you would like to respond to the Spirit's conviction in your life, I invite and encourage you to please come and meet the other pastors here at the front. And I invite our pastors to please come right now and stand here in the front of the church. All of our pastors. I make a special appeal to members of Calvary Bible Church to make a public and visible renewed commitment to God to continue to work along with Jesus Christ and the leadership of this church to build his church through your dedicated service, prayer, and financial support. Let's work together in love and unity to keep the legacy of Earl and Violet Reach alive, as well as we move ahead into another five decades of ministry if the Lord delays his return for us. I'd like you to make a public commitment by standing where you are, as the others who make any kind of conviction uh, uh, decision to please come to the front and meet with our pastors. Now, deacons, please be on guard as well. Folk come up that needs more help, I'd appreciate your taking part as well. Anton, please come and lead us, and then you'll have some final remarks from our MC. Please stand as we sing our closing theme song.
Thank you very much. And I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Cole to come with the benediction. And then afterwards, just to give you some instructions afterwards. We will praise God for all that is past. And we will trust God for all that's to come. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with each one of us today, with God's children everywhere, now and always. Amen.